Well, have you got any clean socks here? No, sorry. Can you can you at least move your feet away from my face then, please? They really smell. Uh. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Will, I'm not going to do it if you're going to have your feet in my face. Hello. Hello. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> let me do it again. Hello and welcome back to Pillow Talk, the podcast that talks about the things you discuss at the end of the day. How are you doing, Will? Doing well, thank you, India. How are you? I'm good. I'm a bit tired. It's been a busy week, but I'm good. It's because it's been Halloween. Yeah. And we're very spooky, and that's being that's very tiring, being very spooky, isn't it? I wasn't that spooky. I was a unicorn. I was a ghost, scaring everyone. Really? Yeah, everyone looked like they'd seen a ghost. Right. <laughs> What are we talking about? That's a, good, that's a good joke. You underappreciated that joke. It wasn't that good of a joke. Oh. What have you been up to this week? Um, yesterday I went to a film premiere. Oh. That's exciting, isn't it? Yes, very and exciting. And I was interviewing the main people in the film. What was the film? It was called Josh Warrington Fighting for a City. And it's all about this guy called Josh, who is the world featherweight boxing champion and it covered his life for the last two years and it was premiering in Leeds last night and I went along to have a chat to him. Good. How was the actual film? It was very good actually. I enjoyed it. Do you want to know what I've been up to? Uh, no. <laughs> but you're going to tell us anyway. <laughs> a bit rude. I was in Wales over the weekend for my cousin George's christening. That's not what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? What you did yesterday as well. What, go to TGI Fridays? Well, no, before. Oh, I had a facial. <laughs> oh, it was lovely. I went to the Lush Spa and had a facial. Would recommend. It was a birthday present. Shout out to Mum. Thanks, Mum. That's what I thought you were going to say. That was very nice. And it's all we've been talking about since. What are we talking about this week? Today we're going to be talking about flexitarianism. Philip Green and uh, Topshop. Tuition fees. And the healthiest high street in the UK. Yeah, lots to get through. So India, start of November, Mm -hmm. what's changed in your life? Well, for November, I've gone vegetarian. Why? Meat-free November is a thing promoted by Cancer Research in order to raise money for charity. I'm not doing it for charity because I feel like you can't really ask for your friends to make donations and sponsor you for living a way that so many people already already do. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm. I'm not doing anything unique or impressive. But for myself, I thought I'd set myself the challenge. And how's it going so far? Um So we're day two. Yeah. Slight hiccup today. Why? What happened? I stole some of my friend's sandwich. I stole some of Matt's sandwich. Yeah. Um, and had a bite. And, and then I realised it was chicken. And you spat it out, right? Well, no, I swallowed it. There oh. wasn't a nearby bin. So it was a very nice sandwich. <laughs> chicken and stuffing. Well, but, uh, yeah. I, re- I realised as soon as I... I think because I bit into it and I thought, oh, mm, this is nice chicken. And then <laughs> realised it was chicken. Mm, so succulent today. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, slight hiccup. Went out for dinner last night, though, and um, went for a vegetarian option on the menu. So you're enjoying it, being vegetarian? 
Have you noticed a change in your life at all? Well, on day two? Yeah. No. 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 Okay. We'll um, keep you up to date. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. My thoughts are, though, that it should be relatively easy because when you're at university, I think particularly, you can't afford to buy lots of meat. So I would say I don't really eat meat unless I've got a specific thing I want to cook, like a big bolognese or something, or I'm eating out. Or like chicken fajitas. Yeah. But it, but it's... A fish. Fair yeah, I fish. like fish. But I'm, I'm buying meat far less regularly. Yeah. So it's almost like that... Have you heard of flexitarianism? Yeah. So it's when you eat a primarily plant-based diet with red meat once a week and kind of other meats. So like a flexible vegetarian. Yes, as the name would suggest. Well done. <laughs> Aren't I clever? Yeah, but scientists say that... Um, everyone needs to adopt a flexitarian diet in order to limit climate change and water scarcity and pollution um, so that we can have a sustainable future by 2050. Yeah, because at current levels, if our food consumption, the way we do at the moment, increases, the impact it will have on the environment will go up by around 90% by 2050. Yeah, so that will mean, you know, Which is a huge impact on the environment, water, yeah. yeah. And the population will be so much greater, so we really do need to implement something now, which is sustainable. But It's interesting, though, because I feel like years ago, when vegetarianism was pushed, it was because of the animal well-being and the animal rights, whereas now, a lot of vegans and vegetarians adopted that lifestyle for the environmental impact. So then, do you think people will adopt this flexitarianism diet. Yeah, I think already more alternatives have become available and I think already there are people there are more people becoming vegetarian and vegan. And so I don't see why they wouldn't. It's not that limiting either. As I say, it's you know, it's flexible. I have a friend who's flexitarian already, so she won't ever buy um meat for herself, but if she's going to someone's house and they've cooked it, or if she's staying with someone, then she'll eat meat. Would you go vegetarian, Will? I went vegetarian before, and then, like, I went so skinny, and so I thought, well, I, I won't carry this on, and I, I like meat as well, so I ate meat again. But, also, so when I went vegetarian, it was for Lent, and instead of, like, me and my mum did it, and instead of, like, us changing to, like, vegetarian meals, it would just be, like, my family would be having sausages and mash, and I'll just have mash <laughs> for a meal. So you didn't so do alternatives? Well, that's what I was like, can we just do something different, instead of, like, not meat-based meals, rather than, like, why can't we do, like, vegetarian lasagna or, like, mm. something, like aubergine parmigiana? But then, no. I don't like... I don't really like corn or, like, meat alternatives. If I'm cooking a vegetarian meal, I want it to be, like, vegetable-based, you Yeah, know? I think that's... Well, that sort of seems the most... For me, it seems funny that vegetarians just want fake meat. I've always thought that's a bit funny. But have you seen there's these farms that are just based in labs, and they... they I saw a video, and they're growing chicken meat just from the cells in a chicken's feather. Ooh. So you can 
eat like a whole chip breast of chicken or whatever and it's apparently it tastes like chicken and it looks like chicken once it's cooked but it was just grown in this lab from a feather of a chicken and the, and the chicken is still like happily walking around wow so Expe- maybe maybe that's a an alternative because then if the animals aren't living they're not producing any of the any of the emissions and don't need to be fed or anything it's just purely grown in a lab expensive chicken though yeah, but if it's done on a mass scale, then... We'll see. Yeah. We will see. Would you eat test tube chicken? If it became the norm, then yeah. I don't I don't know why people wouldn't if it's safe and... What about insects? What if that was that became a source of protein? No, I, I wouldn't Even eat insects, no. A little grasshopper here and there? No. <laughs> right, so Philip Green... Will, tell us a bit about who he is and what's been going on. Yep, so Philip Green is a retail tycoon, owns lots of the high street shops, used to own British home stores before that collapsed, uh, owns Topshop, Topman, shops like that. So lots of well-known high street shops, uh, he is the man behind. Um, and he's been in the news recently because, so firstly, The Telegraph had been doing this big, long, 10-month investigation into a well-known retail tycoon who's a man who um, is sexually inappropriate, racially inappropriate. He's not a very nice person. Not a very nice person. Uh, but then, because he's Philip Green and has lots of money, hired the top lawyers to um, create an injunction to say that no media can publish his name in relation to this story. And somehow they found some sort of loophole so that the Telegraph could publish a story, but just not not naming Philip Green. But then um, someone to do with the case told a lord, uh, who then named the person related to this case as Philip Green in Parliament, which meant that the media could publish the fact that Philip Green was named in association to this case that the Telegraph can't publish. They can't, they still can't say that this is Philip Green, but they can say that in Parliament today Philip, Philip Green, Green was, was named in yeah, relation to okay. this story. So they still can't name them together, but you assume the British public can put it together themselves. Like a jigsaw. Yeah, a very easy one. So, that's why he's in the news, and today there's this question being asked should we boycott his shops because of his because of these yeah horrible allegations against so the telegraph found that he was guilty of all these things and that's why they they found evidence yeah for him being inappropriate in uh, and saying racial things being sexist i heard as well um scarlet curtis richard curtis's daughter has just put together a book of essays called Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies. Um, and she got a pop-up shop for the book in Topshop's flagship store on Oxford Street. Um, so she had a little patch of their shop floor. And she went through all the proper proper channels and got it approved and, you know, was fully supported by the individuals at the shop. Um, but apparently Philip Green heard about it or saw it on the shop floor and immediately called for it to be shut down. Even though, you know, she wasn't doing any harm. She was just promoting a book about feminism um, that she'd worked hard on with lots of other authors and journalists. So, obviously, very sexist from him. Although I think, actually, 
backfired because his decision caused more promo for the book. So, yeah. <laughs> nice move, Philip. So then, should we boycott his shops, which are, as well as Top Shop and Top Man, Next, and Dorothy Perkins and Miss Selfridge's? Miss Selfridge. Miss Selfridge. <laughs> um, it's hard, isn't it? You wonder how much difference the boycotting of his shops would make. I think it would have to be on a very, very large scale for it to have an impact. So the evidence would suggest that he's really not a nice person at all. But a lot of his staff have done nothing wrong, you know? Like, they're entirely innocent. So if Topshop gets boycotted, it's not just Philip Green it's going to be impacting. It's so many other hundreds of people. Yeah, and, like, Philip Green might own it, but then it's going to be managed by lots of other people. Uh, The fashion designers are not going to be Philip Green. Um... Yeah, and all the th- thousands of people who work for him. Exactly. So financially, he's probably one of the few people who would be okay if the shop was boycotted, whereas there would be hundreds of people's livelihood that would be impacted by it. But also it's, you know, similar to last week. What are the alternatives? Are they available? Can people afford to make that decision? I don't think it's us that should boycott him. I think it's him sh- who should quit. Yeah. I think that's what should happen here. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be there have been and there will be lots more calls for him to resign to resign over these allegations. Do you think he will? Um, I don't know. Because he, he's been he's been in trouble with the media before, and he hasn't. He's I think just escaped. Yeah, I think he'll fight back pretty hard. Maybe going on a long holiday to a hot country (laughs) where he can't uh, be attacked by the press. But you would hope if he had, you know, any respect or dignity, he would stand down. So what did you read about tuition fees today? So there's this proposal to cut some tuition fees to £6,500. Right. Um, and then increase some tuition fees to £13,500. So, uh, currently, tuition fees are £9,250. Mm-hmm. So, degrees such as sciences and medicine, which require lots of contact time, lots of equipment, mm-hmm. um, other degrees proposed to go up in... Um, cost. Cost tuition fees and then other degrees such as English that have a lot fewer contact hours and equipment needed uh, could go down un- right. under this new proposal so do you think that's fair to have some people paying more some people paying less to come out with a degree that's ultimately still a degree my gut reaction was no it's not fair because everyone's doing a degree but when you do say you know, it's to do with the equipment that's required and the number of teaching hours they receive, then part of me does think, you know, there's loads of expensive science equipment and medical equipment, whether that's microscopes, scanning machines, um, equipment for experiments, that kind of thing, that's needed. And they get far more teaching hours compared to some degrees where, you know, maybe you just need a book. Yeah, so... Um, and it does someone who does history 
can have four hours a week and mm-hmm. linguistics also four hours a week someone doing engineering for example can have up to like 28 hours a week yeah so then it does seem unfair that people are say paying the same amount of money to receive such different levels of teaching and but then do you think that the, the degrees with less teaching should have more teaching rather than making the cost different, or do you think that's not needed? Well, part of me thinks perhaps there's only so much to teach, but in that case, maybe it's worth making some uni courses, you know, two years. Yeah, or, uh, cause and just I think they have, packing in a bit more. They have introduced some two-year courses where the holidays are a lot shorter, because at right. the moment, like, we have, like, four months of holiday a year. Mm. But they say as well... Uni is three years, not only to do with the amount of work you have, but also to do with the amount of growing you grow. Up. Yeah. yeah. So because that first year is essentially just experiencing a different type of learning and practicing a new essay style and that kind of thing. So if you didn't have that first year and both years counted straight away, perhaps there would be a decline in how well people did because they didn't have that time to adjust. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, actually, if doing a degree over a short amount of time meant that. You did better or worse. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Do you think if you'd had the option to do your degree in two years, you would have taken it? No. No. Because I think it's, it is, as you said, like, lots of doing a degree is just for the years at university. But yeah, would you? I don't know. I think three years is a good amount of time, but there are but some But like medicine weeks. is like six or seven years. Yeah. Or like five or six years. But generally a degree is three years. And sometimes I feel like, you know, there are a few weeks where I feel like not much is happening and I'm wasting a bit of time. So I definitely could fit it into two years. But then that would mean kind of entering the working world a year earlier, which doesn't sound appealing. 100%. You could put the course into two years. It would not be hard at all. But then you have a year less of having fun times at university. I guess the difference as well is with medicine, as you say, it's six, seven years. Was it six? I I think something like that. But then they're paying the nine grand for twice as as long as we're paying the nine grand. And if it was moved up to 13 and a half grand, then they'd be paying it for even longer. (laughs) Exactly. And so some people would finish university. But let's say you might do an English degree, finish university... And then you'd have nineteen and a half thousand pounds tuition fee. Is this with the new lower? Yeah, fees? if it was lower. Okay. But then you'd finish medicine, having um, like sixty-five thousand pounds debt. Gosh, so it's a huge difference. Potentially, you would go into a higher-paid job, but you don't know, do you? Not just because you do a degree. Fails. <laughs> just because you do a degree, then doesn't guarantee a job at all, especially nowadays when it's so competitive. My current thought, though, is that the suggested change in fees, one goes up, one goes down, it almost feels like they're trying to cover the cost of the difference with Mm. the more expensive courses. So I don't know whether people doing more expensive courses would say, oh, we're covering some of their degree because they're paying less. If you have a choice between doing a cheap degree and an expensive degree, why would you do the expensive degree why would you want to have so much extra debt so are we going to see a a decrease in the number of qualified dentists doctors nurses engineers 
uh, who are all architects. scientists, architects, who are all incredibly important in society, yeah. will we just see them drop off? And I, ref- like, I reckon it would go down. I think it's important to consider all the consequences this would have. As we've said, um, the number of jobs in certain areas declining and how many people would actually go to uni. But... So is it easy? But I think but I think it's important that it draws attention to the difference in amount people are getting for their money because it is a vast difference in some cases. But equally, I just can't picture people paying 13 grand a year for their education. So I think, on a completely different note, I would suggest all fees should go down. <laughs> so you just get rid of fees? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a better life that would be. So then, you think it's easier to not have this difference in fees just have one everyone paying the same regardless of yes but i think it should be looked at if a course is not providing as much value for money then the course needs to be looked at specifically and see how it can be improved yeah how healthy would you say you are on a scale of one to ten normally quite healthy the last couple of days not that healthy i've had on Wednesday, I had a takeaway from Flames, which, if you don't know what Flames is, it does popcorn chicken and burgers and chicken nuggets and chips, all of which I had. <laughs> and then yesterday, I had a McDonald's. So not great at the moment, if I'm being honest with you, India. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do try and look after myself. I do try and be a bit healthy. What about you? I think similar. I try and be healthy. But this week hasn't been great. It's not been great. I was going to go to the gym today, but uh, had a podcast to record, so here we are. And you were going to go to the gym yesterday, but had TGI Fridays to go to. No need to shame me, okay? I'm just being honest. I mean, I didn't go on on yesterday or today. I'm quite hungry at the moment. But why did you ask how healthy I am? Because the Royal Society for Public Health has ranked high streets in 70 major UK towns and cities on how healthy they are. So an example of unhealthy things they considered was um, payday lenders, bookmakers, tanning salons, fast food outlets, and healthier ones had museums, leisure centres, art galleries, coffee shops, that kind of thing. That's so interesting to think about what they're considering healthy and unhealthy because automatically you would just think, oh, fast food chains versus like boutique yeah i thought it was going to be like health food stores and fast food but it's 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 the whole lifestyle of like exercise culture um rather than just what you're eating yeah so the worst the uk's unhealthiest high street is grimsby Ooh, where's that in yorkshire it's near us isn't it yeah, and also in the top ten is Bradford and Hus- Huddersfield. Oh. And Bolton. So, oh, we need to put our fingers out in the north. And then the UK's healthiest high street is Edinburgh. Although York's in the top ten as oh. well. So just no correlation. Um, And a few down on the coast, so Brighton, Eastbourne, Exeter, they're all in the top ten. Shout out to Grandpa. <laughs> no, don't put that in. Okay. Um, 
So the report also showed the change in what's on our high street. So it noted a huge decrease in the amount of pubs, but a huge increase in the amount of coffee shops because people are now using them to socialise and work instead of socialising at a pub. And it's also interesting to note the huge increase in the number of takeaway shops on mm, fast food yeah fast food on the high street especially because it's at a time when the government are campaigning so hard against obesity yeah and also they're putting so much money in to curbing this obesity crisis that's happening in the uk at the moment yet they're still giving out so many licenses to fast food chains so the number of fast food outlets on UK high streets rose by 4,000 between 2014-2017, which did surprise me because I, I'm i aware of a push for a healthier lifestyle, although I guess that's the circle I'm in and the culture I'm used to because there is an increase in obesity, as you say, and this increase in fast food outlets was in far more deprived areas. There's a clear link between deprived areas and the unhealthy high streets. And, and especially in areas where there's uh, high numbers of unemployment and people looking for work. So it's, it's a great source of employment on high streets. However, you would think that the government would rather give licences, or the council rather, would rather give licences to shops that do promote a healthier lifestyle. So in these areas, instead of having a fast food place, why not have a cafe serving more healthier things or instead of a, a tanning salon like an art gallery or something yeah but again it i think it's very much dependent on the demand and what businesses are interested in moving to the area it would be interesting to see how london ranked because it wasn't considered in this report it was the high streets were ranked separately yeah because you know it's business but london's capital. got such a mix. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about population. sort of like thirty cities mixed together in one city, almost just from the diversity between one area to another. So it'd be interesting to look at London as a whole, but also London broken down into all the different boroughs. So, so since two thousand and fourteen, as well, there are a thousand more vape shops, thirty-one percent increase in co- coffee shops, and eighteen pubs closing a week. So still lots of change happening on the high street lots of well i was about to say lots of it's to do with online shopping but these are these are all things that you can't really i guess well delivery you can get lots of fast food and takeaway things from which don't necessarily need to be shops where people go to there are lots of things where it's just like in in someone's garage and they're making food but things like the rise of like amazon and things you'd expect to have an impact on it but you can't really amazon yourself a coffee Mm. What is very interesting about the statistics is that there's a clear north-south divide. So there's been a diagram published um, that's colour-coded. So like the green cities, the the cities with good high streets, healthy high streets are green, and those with unhealthy high streets are red. And, yep, there's a very obvious north-south divide. With, with the north? The north being red and the south being green. Okay. Which, you know, people are aware of, but... It's just another factor that's drawing attention to it, isn't it? Do you think this report will make high streets healthier? Or what do you think will come of it? I think perhaps, hopefully, it will draw local councils aware. It will draw local councils' attention to what their high street looks like 
and how it could be improved and also it links you know to people's health on a wider scale and it points out the state of high streets in areas of deprivation and lower life expectancy and higher levels of obesity etc so hopefully councils will look at their high streets and wonder how that can make an impact on the area's residents and perhaps you're right introduce some healthier businesses to help make the area healthier as a whole monday's bonfire night isn't it it is bonfire night on monday yeah exciting i always feel very kind of that's the beginning of the festivities gets me excited yeah and i know it's not to do with christmas but you see lights in the sky and you get excited Hmm. and like all the christmas lights are turned on shortly after and the clocks have just gone back last weekend it does feel very crisp in the air as well. Yeah, and it's dark and it's 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 feeling quite wintry and cold and things like that. But also, yeah, Bonfire Night, well, after Bonfire Night, Bonfire Night is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad, for Monday. So, um, yeah, after that, that's when the festivities really do begin. And, and it's fun as well, going for this huge, like, bonfire and fireworks as well, which are all very pretty. Do you, I like sparklers. Do you, I like sparklers too. Yeah. You wouldn't want to hold the wrong end, though. <laughs> Lots no. of injuries always accounted for in bonfire. Really? Yeah. The fire in Hyde Park here in Leeds is huge, though. Yeah. Are we going to go on Monday? Yeah, I'd like okay. to. Good. It's a good community event, isn't it? Um, Gets all the students out together. <laughs> I saw a quite funny meme, which is like, when the UK plays Katy Perry Firework in November, and the rest of the world play Katy Perry's Firework on, like, 5th of july or 7th of july the american independence yeah. day so that's it's quite funny fourth that of july fourth of july one at some time in july so it's um we are unique that we celebrate the fact that someone tried to blow up parliament it is a strange it holiday. is odd <laughs> but we're not celebrating that we're celebrating the fact that he was caught and killed well he didn't blow up yeah but it's then strange to celebrate it in fireworks which are kind of like sort of simulating something blowing up almost so this is what could have happened got to wrap up warm on monday then yeah because it'll be cold and you can get some like hot dogs (laughs) do you want a hot dog i like hot dogs one of my favorite foods are hot dogs Thanks for tuning in to Pillow Talk this week. Um, remember, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at PillowTalkPod underscore. And yeah, so you can see all the latest from us on social media. And if you have missed any of the previous episodes, we are, of course, on iTunes and Acast. All you need to do is search for Pillow Talk Podcast and we'll come right up. But for now, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.